All right, guys, super excited to dive into this week's episode. So much to cover, including our recap of our Richmond screening of Playing With Fire. That for us really was an evening of financial independence. Welcome to the ultimate crowdsourced personal finance show. This is your Friday Roundup. You're listening to Choose FI Radio. The blueprint for financial independence lives here. If you're looking to unlock the secrets to financial independence and early retirement, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and join a community of like-minded people who are getting off the hamster wheel and taking control of their lives in the pursuit of financial independence. Choose FI, your home for financial independence online. All right, Brad, super excited to join you today to talk about our favorite topic, financial independence. And let me start by just asking, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> I am doing quite well, Jonathan. Not only am I doing quite well, but I'm wearing quite well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing a shirt with a thought bubble that says I'm doing quite well. It's almost like you say that on a regular basis or something, and someone attaches that entire phrase to Brad Barrett at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who would have guessed, right? So yeah, we've had a lot of people ask in the Facebook group about t-shirts with these catchphrases, and we were a bit hesitant to do it, but the ama- well, we, can I say that we still haven't done it? <laughs> yes, we still have not done it. But yeah, the amazing blogger behind the military dollar actually sent me a package. She's like, hey, can I get your address? I want to send you something. And what shows up, but this really super cool shirt, I'm doing quite well. And Jonathan's is, how you doing, buddy? Oh, I have something trademark. I didn't know I was going to get a t-shirt out of this. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we're wearing the t-shirts. If you want to see the t-shirts, we are actually recording all of our Friday roundups in the video podcast format to see the video podcast version of the show. You can go to choosefi.tv. Choosefi.tv. It'll take you to our YouTube channel where uh, this will be available. And uh, yeah, Airman, thank you so much for putting this together for us. It's, it's really, really cool. So Brad, a lot to cover in today's episode, obviously with Christine and her basically rebuilding this life two weeks into their marriage, they have this 85% reduction in pay. I want to go back, but before we do that, I think we have to take a few minutes and talk about this Richmond screening of playing with fire and what we were able to do with it, turning it into an evening of financial independence. Yeah. And this was the most mind-blowing evening I could imagine. It was truly remarkable. It just made me realize the scale of what this movement is, right? I mean, that was to me the biggest takeaway. I mean, obviously people love the movie. We did a presentation of This Is Fi. But for me, it was talking to everyone and realizing people drove from hundreds of miles. I mean, literally hundreds of miles to come to this evening to be a part of this what we build as the biggest event in the history of the Phi community. And I mean, people came from out of state in droves. And I think what becomes apparent is that you're going to have to tack onto that to date, the biggest event in the history of the financial independence movement to date, because it is growing rapidly. I mean, I remember you were thinking just a few years ago when you and a few other five bloggers were at a FinCon in uh, New Orleans, maybe six of you. And then, you know, at recent FinCons that we've been to 50, 60, 100, 200, 800 people that say, I am a member of the financial independence community. What we're seeing with the screening, you know, screenings where maybe there were, you were having trouble originally getting five or 10 people together. And now it's 70 or 80. Now there's hundreds of screenings across the country in Richmond, Virginia. When we build it as an evening where you can introduce your friends and your family to this concept, you have a way to start a conversation Hundreds of people, 500 plus people joined us for that because they felt that it was important. They wanted to introduce the conversation. And I can tell you, you know, I think in the past I've told you that I feel like historically I've had personally, my personal life, a little trouble communicating how powerful this concept is specifically to friends and family. They have a sense that I'm talking about this conversation, that something is happening in the background that's probably pretty cool. Getting them in a one-on-one conversation where they're bringing their interested questions to me and we're being able to talk about their specific situation, that really like hasn't happened in mass. And I actually, I say that it's kind of historical now because at this screening, I had two neighbors from my new neighborhood and two neighbors from my old neighborhood. So, and, and, and two sets is what I mean. So I had, there were like eight people that are my neighbors, both past and present that came. And at the end of that, there were conversations that were sparked with each one of them. One of my buddies 
from my old neighborhood is selling his vehicle, selling one of his vehicles as a result of some of the simple math that we talked about as part of that presentation. And I, I would love to read his text message. My phone is on the do not disturb mode and it's somewhere behind me. The heart of what he said is, I think I got the five bug. I w- I'm in, I want to do this. And this is for everybody that's, that's a part of this movement. Instead of you, yes, you're trying to talk about it. You're trying to talk about it. It feels like you're hitting your head against a brick wall because no one will listen. You're able to have something that's able to spark a dialogue and have them bring you a question. And then you're off to the races together. Yeah, agreed. And I think that's what we've tried to do, certainly with episode 100 of Choose FI. But this movie is really a conversation starter. It unquestionably is. And it brings people in who otherwise may not have ever heard of this message. So it's just that great icebreaker. And to talk a little bit more about this event, it was just really special for us. I had tons of friends there. All my daughters, actually my daughter Anna's teachers, three of her teachers were there. And she was just blown away. Like it was just, it was really special. And we had volunteers fly in from all across the country. We had local volunteers. It was just truly remarkable. It was just one of those evenings I think we'll remember forever. I mean, really to have that many people show up for FI, for Choose FI, for Playing With Fire, it was just a really, really amazing night. And I mean, for me to have my daughters and my wife in the audience for the first time ever seeing me do one of these presentations. I mean, sure, they've heard me talk on the podcast, right? And that's all well and good. Daddy, are you going to work on the podcast? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Molly. <laughs> Molly is a little bit bitter about the podcast at this point. She jokingly calls it the podcast. So <laughs> it's, it's so cute. But, uh, but actually, I was curious about that. I, and I only brought that up to say that I, I do wonder that even for Molly, if she realizes that her dad in his own way now with this platform is legitimately this message is having an impact on the world. And I, that's too big. I get that's too big of an idea, but at a smaller level to see like that sort of event, like that had to, that's going to mean something to her it's, at some point in time when she really is able to understand and appreciate that. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. And, and yeah, I mean, it's hard for a seven-year-old to kind of internalize that, but I think just seeing her dad up there talking in front of 500 people was, was just really cool. And, and for me, honestly, it actually helped my nerves a little bit. I, I don't normally get nervous with these things, but speaking in front of 500 people, including family and friends. Is that because you normally speak in front of 500 people? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> it was new for me too, man. And it was definitely something where I was very comfortable once we were there, but it's you're, you, there's nothing in your background to prepare you no, for something like no, that. No, no, But I mean, to have my daughters in the first row there and just give Molly and Anna a little wink. It just, it was really neat. So it was special for me. It was special for them. It was just a wonderful evening. And Brad, we mentioned earlier the impact that really the volunteers had on making this possible. This event did not happen because me and you talked into a microphone. I'm sure that that helped create awareness, but the reason that this event was so wonderful was because of the tireless effort of the volunteers that put their free time, their bandwidth, into making sure everybody had a wonderful time. And I want to give a very special shout out to Ed who we always mention in passing is Ed, who works with us at Choosify. But to be honest, I don't think that even comes close to doing justice to what Ed is actually doing for both Choosify and really honestly for this movement. Behind the scenes, Ed has been working probably, I would say 60 hours a week, but it's probably 80 <laughs> yes, hours. Maybe more than 80. He's doing this on a 100% volunteer basis. He's been volunteering his time because early on, he realized how powerful this was and he wanted to see if he could have an impact on the world. And he realized that the platform that we had started to create in its infancy really had an ability to reach hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. And would the world be a better place if that happened? And he he approached us very early on to help us to see if we realized that vision, if we were in the same place, and then help us figure out how we could build an infrastructure to support that, to really make that happen. The universe has offered us this opportunity to have an impact, don't waste it. And so- what he has built in the background, looking for strategic partnerships, looking for a way to scale and grow this information, help it find people, not just the people that had already heard about this, but people who don't even realize that they need it. We've talked about how the pursuit of financial independence, hearing about it and reaching it are two different points, but the pursuit of financial independence, that journey in between automatically puts your life on a better trajectory. How do we scale and grow this and, and help this reach not just not just the people that have been listening to podcasts for years, but the underserved populations. How do we get this to the people that need this the most? Get this to military families, get this to lower economic situations, get this international to audiences that really need a version of this information. Brad and Jonathan talking out of their living room would never have gotten us here. 
But I think what we saw last night was the culmination of the tireless effort that Ed has been putting in behind the scenes to build a team of people that could help spread this information around the world. And I want your feedback on that, but I also want to tee up kind of a pretty cool announcement for later on this year. Yeah, Jonathan, I think the two of us realized very early on that this was our chance to make a difference in the world. Having met Ed and have him a part of the team and such an integral part has transformed everything for us, really, because while we can talk into a microphone and for whatever bizarre cosmic reason that inspires people, we're not world-class operators. We're not world-class event organizers, and Ed is. It's just so amazing that we have this chance to really make a dent in the world. And it's so rare. It's so fleetingly rare. I mean, Ed doesn't need to spend 80 hours a week on a free job, right? A volunteer basis. He's FI. He could do anything with his time. But he chooses to spend it on Choose FI because this is the ultimate passion project. This is the ultimate way to truly make a difference. And I mean, we have so many people who feel that way in our community. It, it, it is just so inspiring to me. Honestly, I'm, as you say, getting chills down your spine, like almost on the verge of tears thinking about the people we have who just want to be a part of this and want to make that dent in the world. You know, you and I talked about, oh, wouldn't it be interesting to form a foundation and do this and do that. And, All right, Brad, can you start one? <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. So how do you go about doing that? Well, you and I, we would have never done that. But Ed went to work immediately on it. And he figured out the stepwise process of how to form this. And we have a foundation now. We have the Choose FI International Foundation that Ed is the executive director of. We have an amazing, amazing team of directors. We have just huge plans to make a dent in the world with this foundation. And what's super cool, we're going to have an episode that's going to come out September 2nd, the week of FinCon, talking about the launch of this foundation. But yeah, I mean, I couldn't pass up this opportunity just, you know, since we're talking about this event in Richmond and Ed and just the amazing things he's doing. This is a true game changer. I'm just so excited for the future of what we're doing here with this project, the project of our lives. So ahead of the foundation announcement and ahead of this, this episode that we are going to release right before the week of FinCon in September, I do have something that I can offer up now because it's tied to the, the screening this evening of financial independence in Richmond. This documentary has always been intended as a calling card to wake up the world to the shockingly simple math. And the fact, if you take your attention off stuff and focus on your values, focus on designing a life that you can get excited about, that you can reclaim decades of your life, that it's possible. But the documentary doesn't really give you the how. It doesn't have the time. It's not the mechanism for that. It sparks the conversation. So what's the calling card for that? What do you do with that interest? Knowing that this was coming and working toward this over the last 18 months, we have been sourcing your feedback, your ideas, and these episodes to create a resource, a FI 101, a place that when you get done with that conversation, you by yourself, you firm up your own knowledge base or you working in collaboration with a family member, a friend, a neighbor, someone in your Rotary Club, someone in your network, you can work with community to see this information spread and to lock down these principles where you're taking action week by week. FI 101, we are going to be releasing that. And if you want to be one of the early people to take this course with us, and also more importantly, give us your feedback. Let us know what's working really well and where we can improve on it. Uh, you can go to choosefi.com slash FI 101. And I want to stress again, the point of this is to be a resource for the community, a way that you can take the concepts that you know that we've talked about over the last two years, and you can see those incorporated where the guiding light is, you have to take action. You have to take action. And if you can get 1% better, if you can incorporate the aggregation of marginal gains in your life your life and that of your family, your friends, your network is going to be so much better. I'm incredibly excited about this. I hope that out of this episode, if you do one thing this week, if this sparks some excitement, you will go to choosefi.com slash FI101. Choosefi.com slash FI101. Hop on a wait list today and be one of the early testers for this and let us know, is this working for you? Does this serve you? And how can we continue to make it better? So it's big, it's bold, it's audacious. And honestly, before Ed, it was impossible. <laughs> <laughs> 
It was just, you know, hey guys, can you take something else on? But I mean, Ed is taking this to a whole nother level with what we can execute on, what we can do well. And I believe that this is going to be a resource that's going to take the the principles that we've been talking about on this show and make it very, very easy to share with a friend in an organized linear fashion and work through them in some form of accountability. There is a, I think there's going to be a lot of value here for continued conversations as we increasingly try to make this this kind of this topic that around money that historically has felt so taboo as we try to re- reduce or eliminate those barriers to these types of conversations. Now that is on a material that will help you in the local groups in community. Now I want to go ahead and take a second and give you some updates on the K through 12 curriculum. As you know, as many of you may already know, uh, we've been working on this for a while and many of you have actually, you know, when we asked, raised your hand and offer your help and your expertise. And we're incredibly grateful for that. From an update perspective, this curriculum is happening. Uh, in fact, we'll have it available to share with community members in the year 2020. But even before that, we're going to be piloting this curriculum with a school in the UAE for the 2019-2020 calendar year. And specifically, in terms of where we are at with this, the elementary curriculum is written and edited. High school curriculum is written and nearing the end of the editing process. A huge thank you to our ongoing editing team for this work. I mean, I know personally living in this house, it involves multiple phone calls a week in order to coordinate this and bring all of this together. And, and there are so many people on this team that are selflessly putting their time into this. The middle school curriculum is near completion. It will then go through the editing phase. And I want to put a call out for middle school editing members, people to join the team. Danny and Rob are asking the community for their ideas or input on a fun curriculum course name. So you're, if uh, actually putting the curriculum together is not your strong suit, but you are a branding expert and you have some ideas for what it could be called, then send your ideas to Danny at chooseify.com. Maybe we should just call it K through 12 curriculum. I don't know. <laughs> your ideas. What should we call it? All right, well, let's go ahead and hop back in and talk about this past week's episode with Christine on Monday, her business, a little local flavor.com. It's a travel company that was inspired by her by, frankly, being on the path to financial independence and having the rug swept out from underneath her within two weeks of her marriage. You put yourself in that situation. You've just put your life, combined your life with another individual. You're, You're starting out on this new adventure together, and then immediately life punches you in the face. You know, it's great. They say everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. Mike Tyson, modern day philosopher. Um, but at the heart of that, there is so much inspiration in her story. She and her husband are in such a wonderful place, not because they've reached financial independence, but because they're on this path and they have a similar framework to yours, Brad, in that, in my opinion, my estimation, they look at life as placing a bets. They look at life as placing bets and they have just played enough good hands. They haven't hit anything out of the park. There's been no home runs, but every single week that they're on this path, because they're following the tenets of financial independence, they are moving to this better and better place. And it's giving them so much more authority over the life they want to live. Yeah. And I think that's a really good way of looking at it. You do what you can to increase the odds of success in life. Bad things happen sometimes, right? I mean, I had that horribly catastrophic real estate speculation slash investment. Christine and her husband, within three days of getting back from the honeymoon, she had lost her job. He lost his biggest freelancing job. They were under $20,000 of combined income, essentially overnight, but they picked themselves up because they had been doing the right thing previously, right? She talked about having been following Phi, even if she didn't know specifically, but they had savings, which helped mentally, but they didn't rely on that, which was actually really cool. They didn't want to cut into that money, so they buckled down, right? Like she was the ultimate side hustler. She signed up for Lyft immediately to supplement her income. And then even when the income had increased a little bit, she kept doing it. They took that money and paid off that car. Like, how cool is that? You know, it's even more than that. I loved it. She, she, I feel sorry for those of you that are salaried. (laughs) (laughs) I feel sorry for those of you that have those safe, steady jobs because it limits your ability to hustle. She's like, when I want to get extra shifts, when my life is more expensive, I can just go work some extra shifts. This is a, this is a choice to look at this. This is a mindset that you can capture and use. Like looking at life through this, this lens of eternal optimism. Look, I can't control what happened in my entire industry, my entire sector, but what can I control? I can control how much hustle I'm willing to put in. Then I can use that hustle to bridge my, bridge the gap to a better future. Yeah. And a quote that I loved in here was 
we were pretty good hustlers. I mean, how awesome is that, right? I mean, she said, what are our goals? This was the question that they asked each other. And what did they do? They tracked their earning and their spending on this whiteboard on the fridge, had this four-week rolling calendar, all with the goal to save that extra 15% for their down payment. And she said, quote, we were able to work both sides of the equation. So they did all these side hustles and they lowered expenses, right? So working both sides of this equation, they were able to get to that extra 15% for this down payment on a house, Jonathan, in less than a year. I mean, that's after this catastrophic loss of income. But what did they do? What are our goals? That's the question they asked each other. And damned if they didn't get there in a year. I don't think either of these is completely accurate, but I hear uh, when people talk about like mustachianism, they say, well, you know, frugality is great, but what about the earn more side of things? Or that I hear people talking about kind of Ramit Sethi who teaches, I will teach you to be rich. And on that end, it's like, well, don't worry about frugality. Just, just focus on earning more. And that's maybe the straw man of what these two kind of mindsets represent. But I think it should be obvious to most of us that you cut through that and you say, why can't you do both? Why can't you uh, look at your life and in the short term focus on what can I cut that doesn't add value and use that space to help me earn more? It seems very obvious to me that that would be a balanced approach, but I think so many of us, for whatever reason, lock ourselves into one or the other. If your life costs $120,000, $140,000 a year and you're paycheck to paycheck and you're not willing to cut anything, it's going to be kind of tough you know, like to, to maintain that. What I loved about their situation is then when the rug was cut out from underneath them, when they lost that income, they had this 85% drop in income. They were able to immediately, immediately scale down their life to something that would allow them to then recreate that space. Yeah. Not only the scaling down, but just the mindset. And Jonathan, I absolutely love this quote. I wish I could put it up on the wall in my house. You could, you you have that autonomy. Laura would probably let you, (laughs) (laughs) but she said, What we found is that through basically financial demise, we had this very rare opportunity where our entire lives were blown to bits and you have to rebuild it. And when you get to rebuild it, you figure out that you can rebuild it the way you want it to look. And she asked herself the question, what are the things that I always wanted to do that I didn't get to? She looked at this as, okay, the golden handcuffs are off. I'm not stuck in this high paying job, which is a funny thing to most people but I'm not stuck anymore. What do I want to do? She wanted to be outside. She wanted to be outside and she figured out a way to get her entire life centered around that. I just, I think that's so cool. She was loving this new life, even though they're making only a fraction of the old income. And, and one last quote, because Christine is so quote quote machine. She really, really is. If we wouldn't have lost that income, we would have never chosen this path. There's no way I would have walked away from that much money without an almost guarantee that I would be where I was then or where I am today. And that's what I'm talking about, those golden handcuffs, right? An almost guarantee. But they redesigned their life how they wanted it to be. And I just find that really liberating. Yeah, there's something there. I I don't know if I'm going to be able to, to formulate this yet, but it's kind of like an iteration of what I was talking about earlier. If you have this incredible income and your lifestyle eats up all of it and you simultaneously hate your job. I think it's important to say it's toxic, but you're making this income. So you feel like I'm just using the verbiage she just used. You can't walk away because how else could you afford this lifestyle? Your lifestyle is predicated on this unreplicable job, which is simultaneously toxic. That is a situation that I think that many people find themselves in. I I can see that because I mean, a lot of times you have through the mercenary approach, the You've been able to work your way up that corporate ladder. You've had to do things that other people wouldn't do. You've been having to jump at these quote unquote opportunities that put you in more and more difficult you know, situations. And now you're there and you have just, I deserve it with my lifestyle all the way up to match that. You can't walk away. You can't risk it. But what if it was an illusion and you could go back, cut, or get rid of everything, start from scratch and say, what makes us actually happy? How much does that actually cost? She was afforded from this perspective She was afforded the blessing of having to be in that situation and then get to intentionally build it. And I I don't think it looked like what many of us would have expected that it would have looked like, which is pretty cool. What I wanted to do, the pivot that I wanted to take, if you listen to the entirety of that episode, at the end of it, we asked her to hang out a little bit longer. And there were two reasons for that. One is she's a storyteller and she leans into community in a big way and she's built a business around that. So looking at your talent stack, looking at your interests, looking at the intersection method, these are all things that we talked about in the episode that we did with uh, Nick Loper. Gosh, Brad, can you look up that episode for me while, while I keep going here? But when you find out, like if your dream job doesn't exist, 
what would it look like to just create it? And you got to realize this did not exist a year ago. She created her dream job and now she's creating that dream role for the employees that are now working for her. What we asked her to do is actually just come on the show to talk to us one about what would it look like to incorporate that skill set, being a storyteller slash travel guide for your city. Just because I think at, at its core, when people come to visit us, they say, well, what should we do while we are here? And the heart of her business is that business model. I had a feeling there would be some useful takeaways for us. Yeah, without a doubt. And yeah, that episode you were mentioning is episode 101, which is finding your side hustle idea with Nick Loper. And Christine said, community is something that means so much to me. I want to help people achieve their dreams. And just the last one I've got, I lied. I can't, I can't stop with the quotes Quote here. machine, man. She I'm really telling is. you, I was writing them down too. <laughs> Only exceptional experiences is her motto for her tour guide company. And I just, I love that. Her tour company is less than two years old. I suspect with the enthusiasm, the energy that she's bringing, I am so excited to find out what she does. She incorporates, she scales and grows. This is, this is to me the part about her story that's so inspirational. She's not the first person to have an idea for a tour guide inside of even her local area. And what is interesting about episode 101 that we just referenced, if you think it's already been done, I can't do it. That's a limiting belief. There are, and, and Nick made this point in that episode, there are hundreds of taco shops all around the country with different brand names on them. Just because it has already been done doesn't mean that you can't do it, but you should add your unique selling proposition to that which could be a better design, better network, better better location, better service, you know, or pick. And I think for those of us that are thinking, what else can I do? If you limit yourself to a completely original thought that nobody has ever had before, then it's probably gonna unnecessarily limit what you come up with. So if that's cool, if that's an epiphany, if that excites you, the next thing you should do is start exposing yourself to as many ideas as possible you can find something that resonates with you and you think you could start working towards. And what I love about the financial independence community and the idea of doing it as a side hustle is you can do it from a place of very, very low risk. And that is something that Alan Donegan has talked about many, many times. And I think it's, it's the heart of what I want to communicate to people as opposed to like a scarcity mindset, you know, real estate funnel where you have high pressure time sale shares and everything else. And if you don't do it in the next 10 hours, whatever, 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 it doesn't have to be risky. And it can, it's amazing how powerful it can be when if you don't see your dream job out there, what would it look like to create it? So with that, Brad, let's go ahead and pull up this segment that we recorded with Christine. All right, Christine, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. So as I kind of prefaced you earlier, when I sandbagged you at this request, I think that there's a compelling case to be made that everybody should cultivate the skill set of being a tour guide in a varying degree. Even if you don't plan on going to work for a, a company to do this, it would serve you to be able to offer this to people in your, your social circle, maybe people that are coming to visit you, to be able to say, hey, this is a wonderful city that I have chosen to live in, and here's some things that we should do together or something that you should check out while you're here. And I'm just, I'd like your buy-in on this. Do you agree? I absolutely agree. I think- very often you're going to have friends and families that come to town. And if you can be plugged into the best parts of your community, that makes you a really big resource. So Christine, how does somebody go about finding the best of, or like those little secret hidden things? We live in Richmond, Virginia, and I, it's probably somewhat comparable to Nashville. And, you know, I would imagine a, a little bit smaller, but like there are hundreds and hundreds of restaurants and bars and all these different things. I would have to spend months or years finding them all. Like, how did you cut through the noise and figure out what these spots are to pass on to other people? I think one of the things that we focus on, um, and I'm going to speak specifically to Nashville, but plug in Richmond, plug in Detroit, plug in Colorado, any other city or state. But I kind of was looking for what makes Nashville, Nashville. So you've got music, you've got food. Again, one of my personal mottos is I like to support family-owned businesses. So I really focus on that. And then just talking to people. So getting out and I tell you, talking to your bartenders, talking to your servers at some of these restaurants, they're going to have phenomenal recommendations for these small hole-in-the-wall places. And I think what really makes showing somebody around your city incredibly impactful is when you can find or develop a story around these places. So figure out what is the story behind the owners? 
is there a place that has been doing the same thing with family-owned recipes for decades? What are the new hotspots that are popping up? And I recommend to maybe even take a tour in your city. And it doesn't need to be a food tour like what we do. Do There are a lot of very inexpensive walking tours. Some of A lot of cities actually even offer free walking tours on the premise that you'll tip your guide. So please do that so that they can get paid. But try to talk to people that know a lot about the city and really start figuring out the stories of the people that have made your city what it is today. Because I promise you are going to uncover some real gems. You're going to uncover multi-generational stories of people that have persisted past economic downfalls, that have persisted past some real challenges in their businesses. And you are going to learn a ton. Not only that, but when you get plugged into these wonderful restaurants and when you really take time to get to know the people that work there, the people that cook the food that you're going to be eating. Oh my gosh, you all of a sudden have this amazing resource. And it is really wonderful when you personally know the people that are helping to make these beautiful experiences. I'm just imagining that you have like some friends or family come to visit you from, you know, out of the city, out of the state. And just like I do here and inevitably what comes up when someone comes to visit, like, Hey, what do you recommend? And I can only imagine in your case, like what sort of answer you would actually get. It would be incredible. But I mean, sometimes I find myself in the, Hmm, what, which one should I do? Like, I don't actually have like a set piece that I go to. And I was just thinking, that's a skill set. That is a useful bit of knowledge that if you can put a little thought into, we have incredible stuff that happens here in Richmond every single day. We have, I mean, I, I would I would conservatively estimate 400 restaurants that are not franchises and small venues and free activities throughout the week. I mean, it's just incredible how much we have to offer. The fact that someone would ask you, hey, we're looking for something to do this Wednesday night. What would you recommend? And you have to think about it for more than a heartbeat. That's a skill set that you can develop. And if you do it, it's going to pay dividends for you. Yeah. You'll end up being a resource where friends will have family that's coming to town and be like, oh, Jonathan, what do I need to do in Richmond? I know that you are the go-to guy and being that go-to guy is a really wonderful thing. And Christina, I actually wanted to kind of pivot here and because this is where my mind goes with not only becoming this resource about your community and the go-to person, but you're also learning presentation skills, how to weave this story, how to be persuasive. I mean, all these skills, these are hugely important skills just in someone's life. And I'd love to hear just real quick how you've cultivated those skills. It definitely takes time and it takes practice. I can tell you day one of being a tour guide, my tour was probably terrible. So I'm really sorry to all of those people uh, when I started doing this three years ago. But it's something that builds over time. And the ability to tell a compelling story is something that is incredibly valuable in life. Um, The ability to present to small groups of people Think about how many times that comes into place, how many people have to lead a meeting or even speak on a conference call to be able to say what you want in a concise manner, in a way that inflicts emotion or inflicts the type of feeling that you want people to have after this. Like, hey, this is really important because that's a really valuable skill. And so I would just recommend people practice it. Uh, I know that maybe sounds weird, but find a story, tell, find a story that you like from your life and practice telling it, go through it in your head. And over time you can weave different things in and you can learn how you, um, how you speak, how you inflect your voice. Those are all things that help make an impact on the other side. And being an effective communicator is just so important in the day-to-day life. You are like speaking to my soul here, partially because what we try to do here at Choose If I is weave stories, right? But what's amazing to me is I look back at a younger version of myself and I heard this, this funny little hook as a way of advice. Hey, if you tell that you're losing people when you're telling a story, just finish it with, oh, and then I found $5. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I remember like, and it's kind of funny, but I remember feeling that I could not weave a story from beginning to end, that I would lose people along the way. And I remember using that almost as a jest, almost as a joke, but not realizing that this is a skill set that could be cultivated and weaving a story with anything is critical. It could be the most academic thing in the world. Your ability to tell a story and bring some delivery to that process is what allows it to, to it helps your audience. It helps your listener actually latch onto that information. So Brad, I was, inter- I was very uh, glad to see you kind of take that, that approach with this. I think that's probably even a larger point than what vehicle uh, you actually choose, what story you actually choose to tell. Yeah. I mean, I think persuasion, it's such a crucial skill. And I, 
wasn't aware of this just in my own life. And probably like you, I, I probably lost people and just didn't have the impact that I could have. But now to Christine's point, you can test it. And it's not in a contrived manner, right? You're telling a story a bunch of different times and it's just being aware of those interpersonal skills and communication, really. Like you can see when people tune out, you look for their body language, you look, are they paying attention? Are they looking at their phone? Like this will help you become a better person. So I think this is broadly applicable. So really, Brad, this is a misnomer. You know, why become a tour guide should be replaced with why everyone needs to be a storyteller. Oh, unquestionably. That is the perfect way to put it, Jonathan. Christine, thanks for joining us on our show today. Thank you, Brad and Jonathan. Brad, I am blown away by how generous our guests are with their time. I mean, we record for two hours or so for a 50 to 60 minute episode, but many times because there's this extra topic that doesn't fit in the core conversation, guests have been willing to hang out with us for an extra 30 to 45 minutes sometimes to really talk about this additional topic and I think it adds so much value when it can be put in its own place and and it's standalone content in many cases. So huge thanks to Christine for joining us on the show. Brad, I wanted to go ahead and roll over and bring in feedback from the community. And I wanted to start with a shout out to Chooseify Baltimore. Now, this Maryland group is an incredibly active group in large part due to the enthusiasm and energy that Alex brings as the local admin there. And they had another successful meetup, one of the, the largest turnout since the January meeting. And what they did in this particular situation, Alex interviewed a member on his reason to financial independence and specifically early retirement. And then they were actually able to dial down on his drawdown strategy, on his withdrawal strategy. And that was for, so it was an interview in person, but for the people that came, they actually got to see what this individual that is experiencing early retirement, what is their drawdown strategy in the local area of Baltimore, Maryland. Now, they did this meetup. The next meetup is actually going to be on August 10th. And I only say the only reason I wanted to say this, Brad, I think you'll get a kick out of this. It's at the Elkridge Library. Now, Glenn, who we've uh, mentioned on the show in the past under the solar panel idea, he is going to be making a presentation on a solar panel investment, again, for the local Baltimore area. And with the date and agenda already set up, he just wanted to know if I could uh, let the audience know. And of course, one, I'm letting the local people in Baltimore, Maryland know, let's make this the most widely attended event in Baltimore. And then two, these are the types of ideas that move the needle when you're forming local community. Yeah, I think both of these ideas are amazing, right? That reminds me of the listener case study we had way back when with Paul, where we dove into his own personal situation and we crowdsource the answers. What's cool about a Baltimore meetup like that, they can interview this one member on his reason for fire, withdrawal strategy, et cetera, and they can all talk about it and help each other. Even if you think you have your plan all set, sometimes you get that just amazing piece of information that you could have never imagined. So yeah, I mean, I think that's something that a lot of our local groups throughout the world can try to replicate. And something like this presentation by Glenn, they should be taping that. And I mean, we can disseminate that across all of our local groups across the choose of I vault, whatever it may be, right? Like there's no reason that shouldn't exist for every member of the community. Ed, what do you think? (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I love the idea. I think that that is something that we could probably scale towards. It's actually been interesting to think in my mind, ideas that I thought we would be doing two or three years from now, you know, like obviously finding a way to get a, this financial independence curriculum in the hands of our local groups has been something that we've thought about since inception to give, because they've asked for it. What is there a tool that I can use to make this easier? But, you know, having the resources to be able to create this and make sure that it's done well, done right, carries the message that we want to communicate. That would have been one of these long-term goals. And then here it's been ramped up and it's something that we're going to be able to get pushed out there within the next, you know, week, few weeks or so. And then again, with this idea, you know, it's one of those things that I would almost dismiss it and say, Hey, a couple of years from now, sure. Sounds great. But you know, when you do have local community, you have people with talent stacks and skill sets that want to see if there's a way that they can bring this in-house and help with this. I wouldn't be surprised if we could pull this off sooner than later. Right. Or someone with an iPhone who just wants to hit record. Oh, yeah. Keeping it simple, Brad. <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, Jonathan always thinks in grandiose terms. That's yes. awesome. What would it look like to build a video studio in Baltimore, Maryland? <laughs> or an iPhone. Or an iPhone. <laughs> All right. Next, I want to play a voicemail that I got from Maria. Let me go ahead and pull this up. Hi, Jonathan and Brad. My name is Maria Bell. I'm here in Richmond along with you guys. Back in January, my sister turned me on to the Choose FI podcast. My husband and I, we are in our mid-50s. And while we have been saving 
since we've been in our 20s, we didn't really know that much about the index funds. And we just kind of let things ride and thought we were making the best choices. We've been car payment free and consumer debt free for four years. I haven't taken a paycheck in four years. 100% of my pay goes into my retirement. And we've got a couple of rental properties. But when I discovered your show, I realized that I had not been optimizing everything that I could. My friends thought that I was crazy when I gave up cable four years ago and the landline. Now I'm realizing that I was on my way to FI, but it just wasn't happening quick enough. I want to thank you guys so much for everything that you do. I know I've reached out to you on Facebook and I'm stoked about watching Playing with Fire tonight at the Bird Theater and meeting both of you. I just want to let you know, as someone who is in front of groups of people all the time, such as myself, that I am spreading the message. I am hoping to change other people's lives because I know a lot of the people that you feature on your show tend to be in their 30s and 40s, but there are 50 and 60-year-olds out there who think they will never be able to retire and they have these lavish lifestyles and they're going to work themselves into the grave because they think that's what's normal. We are trying to influence our community and not only hit our FI, but to do it early, earlier than norm. So thank you so much for all you do. And yes, I am truly addicted. Brad, wow. That is an incredible voicemail. And it's one that speaks to the heart of this entire episode. You know, the next 10 years are yours. What choices and decisions are you willing to make to positively impact those? Yeah, and we talked about the project of our own lives. And I mean, it sounds like Maria here is doing this in her own life, right? She's hoping to change other people's lives. And she said, we are trying to influence our community. I mean, how amazing is that? When you find this message that it doesn't cost anything, nobody's trying to sell you anything. It is just, as Pete from Mr. Money Mustache said, it is fundamentally right. And you want to spread that. And it's just, it's amazing. I mean, her friends thought she was crazy. She took no paycheck for all those years because they're maxing out their retirement vehicles. Like this is the epitome of a five story. I just love it. All right, next, I want to go and play this voicemail that we got from David. Hey guys, love the show. My favorite thing about it is that it finally got my wife on board with listening to these podcasts and uh, choosing the five lifestyle. So absolutely love it. You guys are super relatable, um, trustworthy. Um, Help the community so much and help me so much personally. So first off, thank you. Second thing, just wanted to give two tips. And feel free to tell me that I'm wrong. That would be awesome because then I'd be learning. One tip is, I know you guys are super into travel credit cards, but people might want to check out a credit card that gives cell phone insurance or provides cell phone insurance. So one of the cards that I use is the Uber card. My wife and I were paying $10 a month um, per phone uh, for cell phone insurance, which you know, maybe I shouldn't even have cell phone insurance at all, or I should have like a really cheap phone. To me, it, it seemed worth it though. But so that's $240 for both of us for cell phone insurance per year times five years, you're looking at $1,200, a lot of money, right? Um, and you think about the compounding interest on that, you know, the opportunity cost of that money, massive. But with a card like the Uber card, um, they cover your cell phone insurance for free, as long as you charge your phone bill to the card. So that's $240 saved per year, year after year. That's a massive, massive benefit. So it's probably worth it, in my opinion, just to get that card just for that. And then there's other things like uh, if you spend $4,000 on the card, they give you $50 credit back on streaming services. So let's say you have like um, the basic Netflix plan that's $8.99 a month. So you're looking at like $107 a year. You get $50 back on that. It's like you're getting your Netflix bill for 42% off. So it's also 4% back on dining, which again, with the travel rewards and everything, probably not the right way to go. But you know, there's some auxiliary benefits if people choose that. Anyway, I'm not selling Uber, just trying to you know give good advice. And the second thing, I just recently listened to the podcast on Treehouse, which I absolutely loved. I own a tutoring center, um, so I'm super into education. And I just love the idea of alternatives for people, which I could go on and on and on and on about. But one alternative that I wanted to bring to your guys' attention is Smartly. So I actually just started using Smartly to, to pursue an online executive MBA. 
the program's awesome and it only cost me $4,500 for the entire program versus we're talking upwards of $130,000 for other online executive MBA programs. And actually the regular MBA is actually free as long as you get accepted to it. So free versus probably minimum $130,000 for a good online program. You know, there's some drawbacks in, in terms of its accreditation, but if we're talking about getting skills and, you know, being riding the the edge of the trend um, for alternative education, I think it's a great option that I, I wanted to bring to your guys' attention. So to round it out, thank you guys so much for all you do. This is a great voicemail. There's a lot there. I'm actually glad you started with the phone insurance. And I'm really, Brad, I'm really curious to get your perspective on this. I'm just trying to think, I don't think I have ever over the last decade, ever spent money on phone insurance. In fact, when I look at how I categorize insurance, I think I am trying to prevent the stuff that will break me or cause significant damage to my wallet if it goes wrong. Now, if you have $10,000 invested in your phone, well, first of all, it's, a separate, it's a separate conversation, right? <laughs> but uh, but if you have you know a couple hundred dollars invested in your phone, maybe even, I don't know, $500, like if that's my worst case scenario, that is a problem, but it's not something I'm going to pay $240 a year for, for the luxury of knowing that I only have to pay a $50 deductible if my phone breaks. Yeah, I agree. I don't think that's something that I would spend $240 a year on, but obviously every person is different clearly. But to me, this is something you just kind of self-insure by maybe not losing the thing, not breaking by it. By a $10 case. Or, right. By a $10 case. I actually dropped my phone yesterday. I very, saw your case, by the way. It's the same one that I would have bought. It's I, good. It's right? the one it's I always really look for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very uncharacteristically, I dropped this thing and it was good as new. So no big deal. But yeah, I mean, to me, like you, I'm only looking to insure against catastrophe. Clearly, if something can destroy me financially, I'm going to insure against it without any question. But a phone is not one of those things. Yes. What I also love that you embedded in that first half, David, is that I would love for you to tell me I'm wrong because then I learned something. Yeah, that is the brilliant. same criteria. Brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. That's the same criteria that Brad and I use. We do our best to come into every show prepared and knowing the numbers. But when someone tells us that we're wrong about something, we, we're not offended at, at all. In fact, I love how you ended that because you're like, well, then I just know more and I've learned from that. That is exactly the growth mindset that I hope that we will always, I never want to be, we know too much. We couldn't possibly be wrong. I might as well just give up because the entire point of the show is to be a lifelong learner and learn right along with you guys by highlighting people who've had experiences and expertise that we simply do not possess. Yeah. To your second point, freaking love that. But the college, the college idea and getting an MBA, you know how many people I say, I don't know, you know, if it was worth it financially, but I certainly am glad that I learned the information. The information I learned, the mindset that I learned from it was far more valuable to me than the actual degree. If that holds an ounce of truth, then why are you paying $130,000 for it? Right? I mean, like if when you can do it for free, forget accreditation. If it's just the mindset and the skill set, and this degree provides it for less, why would you pay more? Yeah. David said, I'm getting the skills. That is what's important to him. He is looking for the, the knowledge and the learning. So totally understand that. And, and just going back to the credit cards for a quick second, while we have obviously the credit cards that we prefer and based on the travel rewards and what we think we value, there are many cards out there that have these little bonuses that are just applicable to certain individuals. So if David come hell or high water is gonna have this phone insurance, then this Uber card sounds like a good one for him. That doesn't preclude him from getting the Chase Sapphire Preferred and the Ink Business Preferred and the Venture and the cards that we yeah. really recommend, have both of them. There's no harm to that. So I think you look for the cards that have the little perks that you get value from. Well, maybe. <laughs> I could just could just let it go. No, no, but all right, no counterpoint to your counterpoint to my counterpoint. What is like the minimum amount of value that you would accept to open up a card? Because every time you go into a department store, you are offered... 10% off your current purchase for signing up for a card. And every single time I decline because I do the math and we're talking about 10, 20, 30, 50, $75 to sign up for this card. And in my mind, like I expect to get $500 or more in benefit when I open up a card with one of these, the premium travel cards that we talk about. When I open up a card, I expect to follow the rules and get somewhere between 500 to $1,000 of benefit. For me, when you offer me $10, I'm gonna get $10 in benefit on my clothing purchase it is not worth it to me to do the hard pull, to go through the process, to have another card that I'm managing. You know, like that's kind of like my mindset. And I'm curious, like for you and Laura, where are you on that? <laughs> for us, I'm in your book. $500 is the minimum, is the floor that I'm looking for with these premium travel cards. 
And I think in most cases, you can get 500 in value from most of these premium travel cards. So for us, I personally don't want to be bothered with, oh, I'm going to get $10 off or get $20 off your Old Navy purchase. That's not lighting me up. Yeah, I, bet, I wouldn't be surprised if you guys have an Old Navy card. Well, though. but that's the cool yeah. thing, right? So that's so Laura, however, has a way. She is like the top level premier elite <laughs> with Old Navy, Gap, and et cetera. And she gets basically the kids' entire wardrobes for free with her rewards points. So for her, it is worth it. I think it also maybe doing the math, it may not be, frankly, but psychologically, to walk in Old Navy, have $200 worth of free stuff and walk out with an entire wardrobe, yeah, that feels pretty good. You know? <laughs> so it's a balancing act. But definitely when you when you go into your department store of choice next time and they offer you an extra 10% discount to go ahead and sign up for a credit card, do some quick math on how much that that is valued at, how much benefit are you actually gonna get? And if you're if they're basically giving you 10, 20, maybe even $30, just just think about that if you have if you're anchoring yourself to. Am I getting at least $500 benefit? Because that's the move the needle mark that I'm anchoring myself to. And I believe, Brad, based on this conversation, you're anchoring yourself to. And when we do, when we talk about travel rewards, and when we talk about our travel rewards course, which you can access at chooseify.com slash travel, it's a free travel course. We're showing you how you can use these premium bonuses that we just referred to, and you can tie those together to effectively travel the world for free. That's a real benefit, and it far outweighs getting $10 off your next purchase. So worth keeping in mind. All right, guys, I think unfortunately we have run out of time, but we're gonna go ahead and do what we do at the end of every episode, and that is our drawing for a copy of a book that we have found useful. There's three books that we offer. The first is J.L. Collins' book, The Simple Path to Wealth. The second is Dominic Cortuccio's book, Design Your Future. And the third book from Vincent Puglisi, Freelance to Freedom. If you want to enter the drawing, all you need to do is just go to chooseify.com slash iTunes, follow the instructions there, leave us a short written review, then send us an email to feedback at chooseify.com, letting us know that you left a review and what screen name you left it under. We give away one book for every five written reviews that we get, and we announce the winner on the Friday roundup. Brad, how many winners do we have today? All right, Jonathan, we have one winner today. And the winner is Ashley. And Ashley says, this podcast has changed my life in the best possible ways. I literally can't wait for two episodes each week. The topics are riveting and Brad and Jonathan and their guests make personal finance fun. My husband and I are going all in and making rapid fire plans to achieve financial independence. Each episode provides amazing actionable tips that prompt real change and can impact your financial, professional, and personal lives. I love that while the podcast and topics generally have to do with personal finance, it always comes back to something even more important, the quality of your life, relationships you want to cultivate, and the legacy you leave behind. When I originally pitched the Fi lifestyle to my husband, he was a little hesitant. I started talking about house hacking and it finally dawned on him that he'd house hacked all through college by living in a storage closet for $300 a month. His roommates are still his best friends and he was able to pay for college out of pocket during that time. Once he realized that he'd already lived the Fi lifestyle and enjoyed it, we've been actively finding ways to get off the hamster wheel faster. We are finally designing a life that makes us excited for each new day Brad and Jonathan, thank you. For those reading this review, subscribe, start taking notes, and act on the tips and life hacks sprinkled throughout the episode. Wow, Ashley, huge congratulations to you and your family. This is this is exciting. All right, my friends, the fire is spreading. We'll see you next time as we continue to go down the road less traveled. You've been listening to Choose FI Radio Podcast where we help middle-class America build wealth one life hack at a time.